You are listening to the PFG Vibecast. I am your co-host, Julie Voigt, and with me as always is Mr. Russell Baxter. Russell, take it away. Welcome to episode 36 of the PFG Vibecast. Thanksgiving to everyone. My name is Russell Baxter. I am joined by Julie Voigt. Uh, We're the co-founders of PFG Vibe. And uh, to Julie, happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Well, Thanksgiving, we might as well, you know, let's cut to the chase, okay? And by the (laughs) way, very interesting week 12. Um, You know, we we saw some games where we thought – They'd be close, like Green Bay and San Francisco, and maybe the Ravens and the Rams, and they didn't turn out to be so close. But again, let's cut to the chase. What's your favorite part about Thanksgiving dinner, Julie Boyd? You know, I would say, goodness, being with family and, and, you know, just gathering around watching football. But, you know, we're always together. So I think the food. Because <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just a food girl. I'm just gonna go straight into it. You had raised us, you know. Everyone get together. We have pretty much you can say lunch slash dinner. He has it out as early as possible. Anyone can come at any time. The food is there. Football will be playing on there, of course. You know, you gotta have football with with the food. I mean, that's just my favorite part. And it's it's just I, as you get older, you know, and and you have kids, and you know they're wanting to do you know the family thing. That 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 really you know gets to my heart. It's like you, your children can't wait to be with you know uncles and aunts and cousins, and of course you know I've raised my kids just as well as you know I love food. They can't wait for the food either. So <laughs> what better way to bring a family together than food and football? Absolutely. It's, 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 it's two of the F's um, in PFG vibe. So um, uh, we can add that F, an extra F in there, right? For food. Well, that, That's true. Well, and, yes. and Thanksgiving is all about extras, extra helping. Oh, of course. Okay. Extra time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll just put you on a spot real quick. There's one helping of stuffing left and one helping of mashed potatoes left. What are you grabbing? I'm grabbing potatoes. Oh, good, because I'll take the stuffing. All right, so that was... Okay, great. That's perfect, so... There's something about soggy bread that I do not like, and stuffing reminds me of soggy bread. I can't argue with that. They're just... <laughs> I can't argue with that, okay? <laughs> that, I pe- just, I have to go with the potatoes. I'm sorry, you're not getting them. Some, some people would say soggy bread is soft, so... Well... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, not so soft um, is the schedule coming up this week. And by the way, no pun intended, mm-hmm. no more buys, no more off weeks, five weeks to go. Oh. Everybody's going to play the rest of the way. I kind of like it that way. And obviously we have the triple header on Thanksgiving. But the, the one thing that Julie and I wanted to talk about was the muddled mess that is the AFC playoffs. And I'm mm-hmm. the division winners or leaders who are all the same division leaders who won the divisions a year ago, New England, Baltimore, Houston, Kansas City. And I'm not necessarily talking about the Buffalo Bills who do play on Thanksgiving at Dallas. I'm talking about the four teams that are sitting in the conference with six and five records. And all of them 
are involved in divisional games this week. That would be Tennessee, Indianapolis, uh, Pittsburgh, and Oakland. And Julie will start out in the AFC South uh, with the, the Titans and the Colts. Uh, lo and behold, both of them sitting with six and five records. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many times I've said it. This AFC South division is something. Um, of course, we know last Thursday, but I, I don't even want to say it was a, a, a horrible game because, you know, Houston had their particular ways of Colts, Colts came in, you know, it was just a tale of two different teams. And with the Colts losing to Houston, of course, now we go into this week going to Tennessee and you get word that we will be seeing Ryan Tannehill as opposed to Marcus Mariota playing. Tennessee is a completely different animal right now. And again, unpredictable AFC South division teams. They're just so pretty unpredictable. Of course, just like, you know, probably we're going to have Texans and Patriots. That game can go either way because now the Texans are playing a complete different game as well. And of course we have the Patriots playing completely different with their offense possibly struggling. Oh, it's just, this is an important game. It really is. Um, Unfortunately, one of them has to win. One of them has to lose. We'll have to see what happens on Sunday. Well, of course, there could be a tie, which would really muck things up, as you know. Oh, we don't like to mention ties. No, we, no. no. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I go to men's warehouse. I like ties. So there's a Oh, well. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cool. it's the one thing I will point out, and you already said it, Ryan Tannehill, uh, mm-hmm. who starting quarterback for you know, three or four games, and uh, last week threw two touchdown passes, uh, ran for two touchdowns, uh, but he was not the starting quarterback when these teams played earlier in the season in Nashville and the Colts beat them. And, you know, the most part have made a habit out of beating the Tennessee Titans and, of course, sweeping them uh, would be absolutely huge. Um, You know, not surprising they dropped the divisional game on the road last week. I mean, it's tough to go 6-0 in the division. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. only one team did it a year ago, and that was the Rams. And it seems like the Rams are paying for it this year. So, um, you know... I look at the erraticness of Tennessee. Um, you know, they 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 are different from they were what they were earlier in the season. Last early in the season, they played Jacksonville. Marcus Mariota got sacked nine times. They played Jacksonville last week, and they rolled up forty-two points. So, but again, they're so up and down. They're very spotty. Um, it's 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 going to be it's a big game because of what it means in the standings uh, in that division, which still has a lot of divisional games be played uh, in fact the Texans and the Titans haven't played each other at all yet so it'll, mm-hmm. it'll come down to the wire as you know oh, yeah. Brown Steelers um mm-hmm. what this is going to come down to I know Devlin Hodges is the starting quarterback this week for the Steelers um we all know what happened on the Thursday night a couple of weeks ago um so we know Miles Garrett won't be around we know Marquise Pouncey won't be around um any feel on uh, on what we're expecting to see at Heinz Field on Sunday well, definitely the Cleveland Browns are looking to complete a season sweep against the Steelers. But, uh, you know, with the mess that happened on Thursday night football, I just think just probably a low-scoring game. Um, it's very hard to see how these two – of course, we have a, um, a quarterback change for Pittsburgh. Um, I believe Devlin Hodges is now 
taking the over dog. as opposed to Mason Rudolph. Yeah, the dog. So this will be an interesting game to see how it goes. Of course, it is being played in Pittsburgh. That That's a whole other level of football being played out there. <laughs> we'll just have to see how this one plays out. Yeah, the, by the way, the Browns have not swept the Steelers since 1988. Um, wow. Which is amazing. They also haven't won in Pittsburgh since 2003, but they're on a three-game roll. Uh, right now, they seem to be the more balanced team. Pittsburgh's really relying on those takeaways, 28 takeaways now um, mm. in, in games, which is pretty astounding, Julie, considering they only had 15 all of last year. You think uh, Minka has made a difference for that team? <laughs> why am i not surprised the pun was rolled right into this <laughs> that that was so bad you don't even answer the question <laughs> so, well speaking it's of, like how do you answer that <laughs> no, you, I, I, I think i pass that's what i do so. oh got um, it got it well speaking of domination there's the raiders and the chiefs and Oakland mm-hmm. laid I, I, the jets last week that was like a, a frittata i mean that was oh. 34-3 on the road. They're now sitting at 6-5. They go to Kansas City. They've already lost to the Chiefs uh, once this year. By the way, since Andy Reid got Kansas City, 11-2 versus Oakland. So tall order for the Raiders going into Arrowhead. Um, The Chiefs were off last week, well-rested, which means Patrick Mahomes probably got a little healthier. Julie, what what do you think? Do you think Oakland can go in there and actually pull off the upset? Well, definitely we'll know well between these two games if the Raiders actually do have a chance of winning the division and making the playoffs. It's resting heavily on whatever the outcome is. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, I love watching him play. Um, but again, Oakland, it, this is the season of different monsters. You know, they're, they're a completely different team. And to even think talking about Oakland and playoffs is, you know, just mind-blowing. So another great matchup. Another great week of football. Well, our guest on our 36th show is a gentleman that I've known for more than 20 years and uh, been very proud to be able to be on um, a show he does uh, for PatriotsRadio.com. It's called Patriots Playbook. And he's been kind enough to have me on his show for 19 seasons talking more than just the New England Patriots, but just the, the general NFL. John and I go back uh, to our days at ESPN, and uh, I can safely say one of the reasons I was able to get a little more exposure, do some radio work. Um, you know, I was a behind-the-scenes person at the network, and a uh, gentleman like John Rook and Chuck Wilson were very instrumental in pushing me and pushing for me, and I will always be indebted to that. So, uh so welcome, John Rook, who, if you're not familiar with his work, I don't know how that's humanly possible. <laughs> the Providence. Um, John, I think, John, didn't you cover the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I kind of feel like it, Russell, but Russell and Julie, thank you so much. It's the least, very least I can do, Russell, after, you know, 19 years of, you know, expecting you to show up on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday to talk, you know, Patriots and NFL, but... You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, our beginnings way back 
in, uh, gosh, it probably would have been right around 1999, 1998, somewhere around there when we first started, or at least I first started at the network. And I remember the first time I met you. And the first time I met you, and we were, it wasn't even for a radio interview. You were just actually coming through the newsroom. And uh, we were just chewing the fat. I think I was with Tony Bruno and Mm -hmm. uh, a former producer named Paul Nanos and a couple of other people that were standing there. And we just, and you just came in and you started chewing the fat on the NFL. We were talking football and you came in and you threw a couple of things out there. And I turned and I looked at Nanos, who I'm still good friends with to this day. And I said, who is that? (laughs) <laughs> and he said, oh, that's, that's, that's Russell Baxter. He's the brains behind, you know, the brawn of, uh, of Boomer and, and Tom Jackson. And I said, do we have him on the radio? And he, no, 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 no. He does the TV stuff, blah, blah, blah. I said, we should have him on the radio. And I think within a couple of weeks, a couple of months right after that, and I remember Chuck Wilson and I talking about it a lot as well. He was one of the, the founders, as you know, of uh, ESPN mm-hmm. Radio. Then uh, we said, uh, yeah, I think having informational guys on would be really good. Somebody that can explain it in easy-to-understand, fan-friendly information, you know, kind of thing. And uh, it's it's been great ever since. So uh, I kind of feel like I was in there at the start of it, Russell. And, and I'm happy to be able to, you know, uh, at the very least pay you back just a little bit today for, for 19 years of being on my show. Well, there's no feeling about being in the start of it. You were part of the start of it, along with Chuck and so on. It led to so many other things, you know, doing Mike and Mike and the five things you need to know and, uh, you know, two a days and, and other, you know, other little things and so on. And uh, it was a great opportunity to me. And again, I'll always thank you for it because, you know, everybody needs a, a little push. And, uh, you know, for me to just walk through the newsroom and talk about football, I mean, that's, that's a normal day for me. That was a very – Right? Not talking would be not <laughs> for me, as, as everyone knows. Oh, that's also very true, but that's what I liked about it because right. you just came in and just started flying things off the handle about, you know, football and what was going on at the time. And I'm like, you know, boy, he's really comfortable sounding, you know. Why don't we have him on the radio? And Chuck Wilson was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. We should do that. And I remember there was initially some some doubt just because, oh, it's a TV guy. It's behind the scenes mm-hmm. guy and it'll never fly. But I said, well, let's just try him out for a few seconds, see how it works out. And lo and behold, you know, the cottage industry known as, you know, um, a pro football guru was was born well you know i i was one of the first obviously uh howie schwab the, the ultimate research oh yeah um and opened the doors for other people you know you guys opened the doors for people like brad edwards um who you know carved a niche for himself in college football and of course now the bear sure. chris felica um yep not only featured on the radio but you know on the abc telecast and his trivia and so on so it, it, it's been a lot of fun you, it's a labor of love as you know for me so totally totally Speaking of love, uh, I love Thanksgiving. Um, no, <laughs> bet the over when it comes to the food. And um, it's not Thanksgiving in the NFL, obviously, you know, without the Detroit Lions. And now, <clears throat> steadily, mm-hmm. since 1978, I know the Cowboys played mm-hmm. Thanksgiving before then, but there were 1975 and 77, they were not on Thanksgiving. Um, right. Since 78, they've hosted the game. And they've got a doozy coming up. And uh, you're a Dallas guy. You know your Cowboys history pretty well. And, you know, what, what do you think about this Cowboys team? And, and, and do you have a favorite Dallas Cowboys memory on Thanksgiving? Because I know there are times. Oh, gosh. I have two that really stand out. You probably know 
what they are. One of them is, you know, Clint Longley bombing away against the Washington Redskins, leaving the Cowboys from, you know, what certainly looked like an insurmountable deficit uh, to come back and win. I remember I was on like, you know, cloud nine as a little kid for, for days, for weeks on end after that was over. We all thought that Clint Longley would be the next great thing. And of course, uh, it didn't quite turn out that way. And then who, who can who, who cannot, uh, even though, you know, it was, you know, not so great for Dallas, but who cannot remember Leon Lett's little, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess, shall we say, fumble ruski, although it's not really a fumble ruski, but his little uh, tete-a-tete with the, uh, with the snow and the football and the Miami Dolphins, you know, on Thanksgiving. So in all honesty, those are the two that stand out in my mind gray. But I, I was just telling somebody today what it was like in my family on Thanksgiving Day, Russell, and it was um, – always a race against the clock because the Cowboys would always, you know, kick off, you know, in that, uh, at least back in the day, they would, the, the Lions would kick off in the morning and the Cowboys would kick off in the early afternoon. So we'd always time dinner out for roughly late second quarter of the Cowboy game. And then uh, usually with about, you know, like the two minute warning before halftime. Right. And so as soon as the two minute warning hit, you know, food had to be on the table mm-hmm. and then we were, we were done with Thanksgiving dinner. We were done with dinner uh, before three minutes were gone in the third quarter. That's how quick dinner went and revolved around the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, when I grew up with my brother, my sister, my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, there were probably 20, 30 people. And it's like, you know, Hey, we got to be done in 20 minutes because the Cowboy game's back on. And then we would always have the pumpkin pie, you know, sitting in front of the television with my mom screaming, don't spill any of that on the rug. You know, so that, that was our Thanksgiving day. So I actually, even though those two moments stand out of my mind, Mostly when I think of Thanksgiving growing up, my memories are extraordinarily fond of racing to beat the clock so we could get in front of the TV before the Cowboys continued. Well, Roger Staubach was pretty good at clock management, and obviously um, (laughs) you certainly picked up some tips from him. Back to one of the big games of the week. Um, And, of course, it's the Patriots at Houston as New England continues this stretch right now of facing teams that were in the playoffs uh, a year ago. What are your initial thoughts uh, on this contest? The last couple of weeks, uh, they've won ugly, but the key word is winning um, as they continue to, you know, really rely on their defense and get just enough smattering of offense at times. Um, Houston's a little bit of a different beast. They can put points on just about anyone unless you're the Baltimore Ravens right now. Right. And right. Any thoughts, John, on, on the Patriots traveling to Houston? Well, I first of all think it's going to be a, a significant challenge for the Patriots. Uh, before the season started, I had this one uh, pretty much pegged as a, as a loss for the Patriots uh, just because I thought the challenge would be significant. I also anticipated that Houston would probably have a little bit more pressure on its shoulders, uh, largely because of the you know, the challenge they were undoubtedly going to get from the Colts in the division and whatnot, and, and that certainly I think has, has proven to be the case. Um, I, I, you know, there is a lot of angst and a lot of hand-wringing going on in New England because the Patriot offense is not what everybody expected it to be. And, and, and so I've tried to approach it from a different manner. I've really tried to, to kind of sit back and watch with appreciation the way that the defense is playing because literally, Russell, as you well know, it, it's a throwback to 
you know, some of those teams in the 60s, you know, Green Bay and the Steelers of the 70s who all did it with defense. And the, and the Patriots are actually doing that this year. And it's because the Patriots adapted their defensive philosophy to the modern game. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have physical people in the trenches or, you know, you know, punch somebody in the mouth or whatever. It's because the, Cowboy, the, the Cowboys, the Patriots built their team uh, with defending spread, you know, five wide offenses in mind. And that's why, you know, the, the Patriots secondary has had the extraordinary year that it's had this year with 20 picks going into the weekend, you know, uh, way more, you know, uh, interceptions than they've had touchdowns allowed through the air or through the ground for that matter. Uh, and it's why I think I give them, you know, at least a puncher's chance, uh, maybe even a little more than a puncher's chance against the Texans this weekend because I think, to me, the, the way that Houston beats New England is they figure out a way to get the ball in DeAndre Hopkins' hands as much as possible, which sounds like that may be kind of silly. But at the same time, uh, that really has to be how Houston does it. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the Patriots – decide to just let Stefan Gilmore have at it and see if he can do it. Maybe they'll think about bringing a little safety help over the top, but uh, listen, he's playing at an extraordinarily high level. And even the, you know, the, the slot corner, Jonathan Jones is having a great year, you know, for the Patriots. Uh, the secondary is playing up to its, you know, uh, playing up to its, you know, advanced building of being one of the best in pro football this year. So I think it's all going to be whether or not Houston can, you know, depend on, you know, Hopkins, especially in the red zone. And if they can, then Houston certainly can win the game. But if the Patriots can put a clamp down on him, and, you know, Bill Belichick's big moniker as a you know defensive-minded coach for years is to take away what the other team does best and then make other people beat you, I definitely think they're going to try to make Deshaun Watson beat them. Yeah, um, you know, we've, we've – talked uh, about some of the problems New England's run defense has had this year. Um, uh, do you anticipate them having any issues with Houston's running game, which is it was style-wise a year ago. Last year was Lamar Miller and a lot of Deshaun Watson. Now it's Carlos yeah. and uh, Duke Johnson at the backfield who's run and caught the ball and so on. Do um, you think the Patriots have any concerns about that? Well, I'm sure they do, uh, and I'm sure they will. Uh, I am a little bit um, uh, not taken aback, not surprised, but you know, you, you kind of have your radar, you know, attended to, um, you know, the Patriots' uh, run defense after what you know uh, Lamar Jackson did. Of course, Lamar Jackson's doing that to everybody in the NFL these days. So uh, to me, that has to be a little bit of a of a signal. But you know, I don't know that Deshaun Watson, while he's extraordinarily good. I don't know that he's what I would call video game joystick good, like Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson yeah. is. And, and, and because of that, uh, I think the Patriots will probably respect him, but I don't know that they'll necessarily spy him, which is probably advisable for anybody that plays Baltimore from here on out. Um, so I think they'll probably stay relatively base. But I also believe that's one of the reasons why you'll probably see the Patriots um, – now, maybe on a couple of occasions they will assign somebody over the top to help out on a guy like Hopkins, but I think that they'll um, – I think the Patriots will allow their, you know, their front seven, so to speak, to pretty much stay base against the run just because they can do what they do in the secondary. So I think Houston's going to have to throw the ball to beat New England, and 
Watson's going to have to, you know, roll out of the pocket and he's going to have to use his feet and use the threat of the run in order to, you know, do damage on the Patriots defense because they're so concerned with hemming people in and, and making them beat. If he does get outside the pocket, they can beat them. If he does get outside the pocket, that's where I think the damage can be done. So I think mm-hmm. you'll see the Patriots concentrating on trying to bottle him up a little bit and then uh, just trying to make him beat him over the top because I think they like their chances in going man-on-man with the, uh, with the uh, Houston receivers. Well, it should be a fascinating game. Earlier in the day, we get Baltimore and San Francisco, but uh, Sunday night is huge very huge uh, when it comes to that entire AFC playoff picture. John, I cannot thank you enough for taking out some time and, uh, and talking football with us. And I uh, want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving by the time everybody hears that. Uh, I know I'll be on my second uh, or third health. <laughs> and hopefully you're having a great time at, um, out in the West Coast. Yeah, the, uh, the the basketball is getting underway for me, and then uh, the, the football is the dessert this weekend. So I'm happy to be able to do that. Very lucky to be able to do that. And it's great to be with you guys, and thanks so much for having me and, and asking me to uh, participate. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, John. Well, speaking of matchups, I already put you on the spot about uh-huh. the mashed potatoes and the stuffing, and you were gracious to let me have the stuffing and the soggy bread. And, and of course. It goes with it. But Anything. We can't put a wrap on this show without asking you. I know you will have your coffee. What's your favorite oh, of course. Thanksgiving Day dessert? I am not a pie person. So, Julie, note that I am not a pie person. I have not been a pie person since I was pregnant with my firstborn. I let the pie go. I loved pie back then. And since then, I think women can relate. No, it's a no-go. So any type of pie, I am completely turned off. But my mom has always made wonderful jello salads. um, And she... Yeah, she used to make like a pistachio type jello. Um, she has one where my dad completely loved, um, where she put like fruit in there with marshmallows. And I, I'm a big jello person. So, you know, of course, we're getting together tomorrow. And of course, my youngest is like, Grandma, you have to make your jello. So I would be a jello person with plenty of whipped cream, no pie. That was a curveball. I mean, that was was a great answer. I was expecting the obligatory pumpkin. uh, Oh, no. So on, but I am a pie person. So I'll I'll go with coconut custard. Oh. But I actually prefer to have coconut custard with a pumpkin chaser. Okay. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. The only thing better than a really good slice of pie is two really good slices of pie. Well, of course. Yes. I mean, I, I, I think, listen, I think Thanksgiving is about eating, but I also think it's about versatility. So I want to make sure, you know, I cover all my bases. So, well. Yeah, I agree. I hope everyone is having a great Thanksgiving. I hope everyone is uh, uh, enjoying time with their families. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the show today. I hope you enjoyed listening to John Rook, um, who uh, John and I have known each other 20 plus years. Uh, uh, voice of the New England Patriots and so many other things, Providence, um, university, uh, sports, and, uh, you know, his thinking out loud column that he does and so on was great talking with him. But, um, listen, 
it's time to get back to the food. Okay. You know, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Right. And listen, you know, if you really want to multitask today, listen to the podcast, watch the game and keep on eating. Okay. So, you know, ears, eyes, fork that that's your goal on Thanksgiving day. So for, <laughs> for Julie noted and Julie voted and Julie noted underscore PFG and Bax football guru and PFG vibe. I'm Russell Baxter. This is Julie Voigt who finds me somewhat amusing. We want to say thank you for listening to the 36th episode of the PFG Vibecast. And again, enjoy your turkey day. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.